When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You've got a lot of learning to do and you don't know nothing. Like When you're 16, you think you might know a bit about football, but in the development of as a coach, you don't know half as much as some other people. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. This morning, my guest is Jack Hadby. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Morning, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, mate. Look, thank you again for being us, being with us this morning. Uh, Jack, for those that aren't familiar with who you are and the work that you do, would you mind just giving us a bit of background as to what that is, please? Yeah, so obviously, uh, as Jazz said, my name's Jack Hadley. Um, I'm a football coach and currently working at Chelsea Academy as a goalkeeping coach within the 11s to 12s age bracket. And then also uh, in another role with Azmir Begovic running his academy in Surrey. Excellent. Well, look, Jack, you know, thank you for that. I just want to take you back to the start of your coaching journey, get right to the thick of it. You know, where, yeah. where did that begin? You know, you still look quite young. Um, so. <laughs> You know. um, yeah, well, it started, I went to a college called Marysville College um, down in Guildford Way and it had a, a partnership with Chelsea Foundation and sort of um, it was doing a college programme on there. So like doing a BTEC and playing football and part of it was doing your coaching badges. So I think I've done level one when I was 16, like most people on the college courses and then um, started working at Chelsea Foundation around 17. So that's how it start, sort of started that then. Just in terms of your journey, then you know what was it about you know the coaching pathway that you really caught your eye? Obviously, you you fell into the qualifications as part of your I guess your college program. Yeah. Um, was there anything particular that stood out for you when you first started getting involved in that you thought you know actually this is definitely a path I want to go down? Yeah, or no, I think it... I think when I was younger, I played football um, like grassroots, nothing major, um, and then went to the college program where the level of coaching was just better, and I sort of felt myself improving as well as all the other players did. So I thought, well, this is quite interesting. Wonder how they get the best out of you. Then sort of started doing the coaching badges and then, yeah, just went from there really, just connecting with people and really got the hook of trying to improve someone. And I wanted to be part of that really. So, you know, you talked about, you know, just looking at how maybe coaches get the best out of players. Was there anything particular that you kind of came across within your experience as a player at that time that you thought, you know, what, I'm really interested to know a little bit more about that or, there was something quite intriguing about the way the coaches worked with you. Yeah, just I think being the goalkeeper, it was I had a goalkeeper coach at the time called Stuart Sell. I'm sure most people might know him. He is now the ladies' first team goalkeeper coach at Chelsea. Um, 
And it was just like little things, the details of the coaching points I got, because I had goalkeeper coaches before, but no one really went into that detail and obviously the individual time spent with you. And then it came to sort of playing out from the back, which I hadn't done before. So it was a new learning experiences and just, yeah, just finding out the little details that made you a better player or gave you that bit more time on the ball. So just, you know, obviously to kind of develop on that then, you know, you talked about the little details now. I'm interested to know then how, you know, how has that maybe formed into the way that you work with your players at the moment? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the little details, obviously, goalkeeping as a position, you'll know yourself as a coach in football that the finer details are massive for the individual. So I think even like the little pinpointing things around players' movements or the technique they're using, like how they scan all them little bits. I think at the moment, that's definitely a way I like to coach as well. So really making it individualised even if it's in a group session, if that makes sense. No, definitely. And, you know, kind of just kind of, you know, looking at your role then, you know, currently under under 11s, under 12s, was it, was it that you said? Yeah, goalkeeping coach, yeah. And working with yeah. 12s and 11s goalkeepers at Chelsea. What, what, you know, what does that role entail for those that maybe aren't familiar with the you know, academy environment and I guess the role of a goalkeeper coach within that setting? Yeah, so obviously, it's, well, firstly, it's to develop the goalkeepers within that bracket, but sort of preparing them for the, the next phase um, going up, but also sort of looking at them before they come to me. So when they're in the nines and tens, sort of towards the end of the tens period, um, making sure that we're sort of keeping an eye on them. And then when they come to us, it's really about, like I say, developing the individual, but going through the transition of from seven aside to nine aside whilst they're with me, and then 11 aside as they go on. So a lot happens within that sort of age bracket physically as well the development so yeah there's a lot to manage in there and then that program would obviously be throughout the week and then matches at the weekend mm. I want to kind of take you back you know to the beginning of that, yeah, that journey where you've kind of embarked on your coaching journey so 16 17 you're looking up you know doing your level one um, did you do your level two at that point as well or how did that work uh, I think I did that when I was 18 so I think I'm just post-college level two yeah and then obviously at the time, you know, just to kind of paint a bigger picture for the, you know, for the audience and the, and the viewers on this. Yeah. How long ago are we talking then? Uh, so I'm 25 now. So seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Seven, eight years, you know, and were you coaching straight away from that point or? Yeah, I literally um, went from 16 from obviously once I passed my level one, I sort of got the hook on it and I wanted to do more. So I've done the youth modules and um, like I say, then my level two outfield when I was 18 and done my level one goalkeeping about six months after passing level one outfield. And then I, I tried to get um, some experience working with a grassroots team. Mm. So, you know, I lived in uh, Chipstead, Coulston sort of area, which is in Surrey. And I managed to get um, a grassroots team called Mogador Rangers, um, which had done five years there. Sounds like saying off Game of Thrones and that, that team. But um, yeah, so I've done five years there, um, voluntary, just working with the under 11s and under 12s. And then, yeah, literally covering everything there. So it was really good. Great experience. Excellent. So, you know, you're still 25, still relatively young within a coaching context, but, you know, managed to get quite a few years of experience already starting young as well. You know, so yeah. I'm interested to know over that, over that course of time, how have you found yourself developing and your, I guess, your way of working changing from age 16 to now age 25? Yeah, I think I always refer to this point. Um, I think the people who are close to me know I'm quite confident like within one-to-one stuff, but within groups or like having to stand up in front of people, I used to really not like that. And I think still now I get nervous doing it. So 
I think that's why coaching as well has been really good because it, it brings you out your shell. Like you all know when you go on coaching courses and you have to stand up and coach in front of people you'd never met or um, and then do presentations, stuff like that. I think that's really sort of helped me develop. And when I look back to being 16, I, would, I never would have done that. Um, but coaching's really helped me within, in that role. Well, I've lost you a little bit. Yeah, I was there, I think. Give enough. Mike, there you go. Yeah, uh, sorry. You talked earlier about, you know, looking at the finer detail of um, the goalkeeping position and the way that, you know, the coaches work with you. In terms of that, that detail piece, you know, you, you, just to kind of paint a bigger picture and for those given a bit of insight on the, on the goalkeeping courses, um, would you mind just going into a bit of detail around what it is that on maybe the level one goalkeeping course that you've kind of picked up and obviously since then and you've, you know, you've gone to progress on to further goalkeeping qualification and output qualifications, presumably. Um, yeah, so what that looks like. Definitely. Um, I think on the level one course, I've played in goal my whole life. Like I say, just grassroots and then um, with my friends still now. And you, you get an idea around the position, but like you say, is that individual position where there's a lot of accountability for the player. They're saying goes wrong, but obviously the rewards when it goes right. So on the level one, you can expect more sort of the technical part of goalkeeping. So the handling shapes, movement, the real basics, but maybe making sure they're nailed down. And then as you sort of progress to level two, it's then looking more about how you apply the techniques when there's movement involved in opposition and like the skill-based element. And then when I've just recently done um, UEFA B goalkeeping um, in the summer and that whole course was probably the best course I've ever done in terms, I loved it. Like it didn't feel like a course. Some of the people, we knew each other from working um, against each other on match days and yeah, we got really close. But just in terms of the detail, that was phenomenal. I'm talking like um, the profiling of a goalkeeper. So the recruitment side of it, you learn all about that. Um, the physical components, how to manage the different styles of goalkeepers. So if you've got a tall uh, goalkeeper who's going through a growth spurt really on, and then you've got maybe a, a younger, shorter, more agile goalkeeper, how to manage that. So there was so much involved. And then like the tactical elements of, um, the goalkeeper and the role within that, managing the unit. So there was loads, but it was one of them courses where I think I went through about three notepads in the time. So it was brilliant. Oh, sorry, as I think it keeps popping on mute. Got you. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I remember, you know, going on to that course myself a couple of years back, you know, with the goalkeeping uh, B licence and, you know, I, 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 I you know, I echo your views on that in the respect that it probably was the best course that I've been yeah. on, certainly as an experience. Anyway, I think the, you know, the tutors were fantastic. And I think the group as a whole was, you know, really good. And it, it really goes to show, especially from a goalkeeping perspective, how, how much detail goes into that position. Um, and I, I strongly encourage anyone, you know, looking to kind of develop their knowledge and understanding of the game more specifically, um, the goalkeeping position to definitely go on those courses. You know, I, I remember I never actually did the level one, but I remember years back when I did the level two goalkeeping. And that, you know, I think the way in which it was delivered at the time and the practices and the type, you know, the, the perspectives they wanted us to see it from definitely helped me with outfield coaching as well. You know, I'm just interested yeah. now, obviously, you know, you're currently working at the, you know, youth development phase goalkeeping coach with the 11s and 12s. How does one go from working in the foundation or, you know, being a 16-year-old, getting the level one to, to that point there? Oh, wow. Um, 
obviously there's a luck involved in terms of right place, right time when that opportunity comes up. I was fortunate that um, I was at Chelsea previously and went was able to go for a sort of practical interview there um, from the foundation into that. Um, and then end up going back two years, I think, after the interview because an opportunity came up. So um, that was sort of how that happened. But in the meantime, like you say, doing the courses and I went and worked at my old college where I'd done um, the level one. I ended up going back there for a year to sort of teach that course, the B, not the, the teaching part, but the coaching part. So the football program. And then yeah, in the meantime of that, I worked at Chipstead FC for three and a half years as the under 18s goalkeeper coach and sort of assistant manager um, of the, the side that goes into competitions like the FA Youth Cup and playing against like Sutton United teams like that. So that, that was probably a really good experience. And that was when I done my um, outfield B license where you have to obviously do the, like the 18 game program. So that was another experience I really liked as much as I love goalkeeping. I think the managing side of the game and the competitive side, that was sort of something that drew me in as well. And there was probably a point about four years ago where I was, I'm in an R in what route do I want to go down more than managing or goalkeeper coaching. But obviously now that's the goalkeeping coaching. And, you know, in terms of obviously the goalkeeping coaching aspect, obviously, you know, traditionally what you tend to see is a lot of uh, goalkeepers moving into goalkeeper positions. And, you know, maybe it's my naivety in this, but not many goalkeepers or goalkeeping coaches tend to go down the management route. What was it about specifically going on the goalkeeping coaching route that you felt was more aligned with your I guess your path um, I think experiences like obviously you build up a sort of a bank of knowledge when you go on these courses and through all your experiences coaching and obviously knowing that position I felt that that was probably more suitable for me at the time to do there's no reason to say I wouldn't like to go into management further down the line but I think at the moment just sort of helping goalkeepers and now starting to get to the point where I'm finding being comfortable in that sort of role at Chelsea and um, obviously trying to really develop there. You know, if you talk there about your role about you know with Chelsea, but you also mentioned the top of this that you're doing a bit of work with Asmir Begovic and his academy there. What what does that look like? And yeah, so I sort of came through Asmir. Um, someone from Chelsea passed over a contact to do some one-to-one coaching, and I didn't know who it was, and it turned out to be a relative of his. And then it sort of went from there to he wanted to open up an academy in Surrey because he had one currently in Bosnia. Um, so we opened that academy up in September 2019. That's based in Cobham where we sort of run three evenings a week goalkeeper clinics for kids from age seven to 16. And then on a Friday, we've got a senior session. So, um, yeah, it's, it's gone to strength to strength. So it's doubled in the, the year we've done it. And it's now in its second season, obviously, albeit through the current pandemic, we're doing it all from home. So I'm sure like most coaches are trying to create um, sessions in your front room, out in your back garden. So yeah, that's how that came about, really. And in terms of, you know, it's interesting you talked there about, you know, a lot of coaches having to do this, uh, you know, I guess online platform of coaching. Um, what does that look like for a goalkeeping coach? And what are some of the considerations you're making in terms of when you're, I guess, devising those sessions? Yeah, I've, there's so much in it. I think, if anything, it's made myself, and I'm sure you've had to do it as well, it's made you look at things as a coach in a completely different way because when you're at that maybe specific location where I know, right, I'm at Cobham and we've got a grass area, two goals, etc., six players, now you're catering for players who are at home and they might have a different um, accessibility to a venue or 
a garden outside they maybe don't have a goal so you're you're making it a lot of it up from what you've got really experiences so the moment it's a lot of we're working on more reaction based stuff so can you use a wall in your your house for example tennis balls footballs ping pong balls we're working a lot of hand-eye coordination short movements which a goalkeeper would make but making them sort of explosive but then having to cater for the fact that they might be upstairs and they don't want the noise downstairs so there's a lot going into it but it's been a good challenge because like things like this doing podcasts are brilliant and and being involved in sort of that side of it stuff you probably don't get to do as much i couldn't kind of just come back to your own journey then you know i'm talking you're now moving into you know you're in that elite setting um you know you've come from a, a background of working in grassroots moving into that setting i'm interested to know some of the maybe the influences in on your journey in terms of the way that you work and uh, maybe what the biggest lessons you've learned from those experiences whether they be individuals or from particular instances that you've been in where you thought actually this is this is now shifted my mindset or you know if you get where i'm going with that yeah yeah i've, I've got a few to be honest i've got obviously that that group of coaches when i was first at Marriswood who have now gone on to some of them in the Women's Super League, some of them academy coaches, um, some went to America, Dubai to coach. So those sort of that core group of first set of coaches I had at college really sort of shifted my mindset to I want to do this for a job and a career and see where it can go. And uh, one of my closest friends, his name's Rob Jones, he works for Crystal Palace in the under-10s um, group. But I've known him for years and he's was a really forward thinking coach i think when he was 16 he sort of invited me to come along to mogador rangers so he he probably first got me into coaching i'd say as the first person where um, we're the same age but we sort of fell into it at 16 wanted to give it a go and it went from there really so in terms of people i've got to thank for that it probably would be robin setting that experience off in the first place mm. And you talk obviously, you know, him bringing you along to, I guess, the world of Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's interesting. I you know, just kind of shed a bit more insight around, you know, goalkeeping. And for those coaches who are maybe looking to get a bit more knowledge on the goalkeeping position, what are some of the, you know, key things that you maybe look to identify um, as potential indicators for, especially at that young age, you know, working with nines and tens and then obviously then moving into 11s and 12s. What are some of the things that you're looking for as, as, as to identify as a, potential goalkeeper or you know good at strong attributes within a goalkeeper you know I think so many people talk about this idea of always oh, a good shot stopper she's a good shot stopper but you know that's what they're meant to do yeah 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 you know, look outside of that shot stepping element what are some of the things that you consider as I guess key and vital to that position yeah there's, there's obviously depending on like I say on the individual but the biggest thing I look for is a character at the start was it, it does take someone maybe different mentality to play goal especially at that age like boy or girl or male or females they get older but in terms of yeah the character's a big one like you say if someone saves shots and everyone's praising them it's great but at the same time that's what you're in goal to do it soon turns if you're not saving the shots and they're going why is he playing in goal mm. so for, yeah the first thing for me is probably character and then a little bit of understanding at nine ten it's obviously all the way through it's enjoyment but at that time you're looking to see right do they actually understand why they're playing in goal and why they've made that type of save. And then obviously you're looking at a little bit of bravery as well. So because diving at people's feet at that age or getting the ball hit at you and it's freezing cold and you see it on a Sunday morning, not the best pitch. So yeah, so probably bravery, um, character, 
and obviously a little bit of combination of an athlete as well. So are they quick off their line, quick around the goal? Can they jump? There's loads of things you can develop as a, a goalkeeper or a goalkeeper coach, but there's always that one thing that you're hoping standing out. Mm. You know, it's just in terms of kind of on that then, you know, you talk there about, it depends obviously on the characteristics of the goalkeeper and the individual and themselves. You know, I'm interested to know now then, have you worked with any players who you thought they're completely unorthodox, but they're actually, you know, they're still achieving, I guess, or, you know, their targets and their goals and whatnot. And you kind of have to maybe shift your approach and working in a different way to kind of cater for that. Yeah, definitely. I think you, as a goalkeeper and coach, you come across goalkeepers who, like we say, go through that adolescent stage really early and they might be really tall and uncoordinated and not flexible. But because they're so tall, they can make a save where they haven't had to move their feet, etc. And it, it doesn't look, it might not look right. And you might say that's not the perfect technique, but they're still keeping the ball out the goal. So, yeah, as we come, then it becomes a point of, right, he's making the save, but how can I develop the physical part for him or his movement to make it more natural while he's going through that uncoordinated stage? And the flip side, you might have a goalkeeper who's really quick, but small, and they're making unbelievable like top corner saves where the top taller goalkeeper is probably just tipping it over. Mm. So then you're trying to work the technical part and physical part. But I think, yeah, like you say, you have to adapt your game uh, coaching-wise to the individual but you, we see that a lot that goalkeeping although it's one position you might have four or five different styles of a goalkeeper so yeah that's the that's my favorite bit to work with because you see kids trying to replicate oh I like Kasper Smeichel so I'm going to start spreading myself around the goal and then you've got other goalkeepers who are like maybe like Courtois who are just dominant in the air so yeah it's that that's good mm-hmm. enjoy that part of it I certainly resonate with that. You know, I think, you know, I come back to an experience I had a few years back when I was working with a bunch of goalkeepers. Um, you know, I had six different goalkeepers from four different countries. And I thought, you know what, actually, oh. that was the, you know, that was, you know, I speak about this often and I say, you know, that was probably one of the first moments where I actually had to take a step back sometimes and think, you know what, actually, it's not about what my way is or how I want them to work. Yeah. Are they actually getting success? And, you know, in that situation, I know straight away, actually, they're all getting their success in their own ways. And, it definitely isn't the way that I would coach it. Um, but there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes it's taking a step back and looking at what the players can do and uh, assessing what they are able to achieve and how they, how they go about achieving and then utilising that information and adding that to your bank of knowledge, essentially, as a coach. You know, so kind of, just to kind of build on that, then, you know, interesting to know a bit more about your philosophy and, and the fundamentals to your philosophy as a coach and the way that you... Yeah, I echo what you said there. I think when you first start out coaching, you get taught this is the way to coach and this is what it should look like. And you get the idea of, right, it must look like that. And I'm exactly what you say. I, I can remember experiences I've had where I've gone, yeah, you're right. Maybe the goalkeeper doing it that way, maybe that works. And maybe I've got to start thinking about how I'm coaching him in a different way to this player mm. to get success. And then, yeah, I definitely think as a young coach, you get regimented with that idea, but the better coaches and the older ones, you then step back and go, right, now I need to change my style for him. Uh, so in terms of my coaching philosophy now, I try to cover everything. So looking at the technical parts of a goalkeeper, what they should have, being able to sort of repeat them actions consistently, um, but also with their own style. So making sure that they're, they're individualised and not all the same, because you don't want to create six of the same goalkeepers and then, yeah, so that's sort of the technical part. In terms of physical, I'd like to make sure that even if it's a 
tall goalkeeper or a small goalkeeper we, that they're quick agile um, but then also important in terms of the social side of it being able to take charge and developing that character more so putting them in situations where they've got to communicate to each other within drills or someone's got to take charge just to make sure that as that character as a goalkeeper it's sort of a show at the weekend if you like that that you've got to put on a, a show of being that loud character and then away from football they might not be that character so it's helping develop them within the sport really to make sure that they're able to if that makes sense no definitely 100% it is, is really much much more specifically around that tailored approach for each individual and I think you know that's, it's definitely the way that you know I guess coaching has moved along yeah. um, massively over the, over the last few years in having a more holistic approach, but actually looking, putting at the player at the center of that development and that, that I guess that program, um, you know, it, you know, often use the, use the term that the player should be the syllabus. Now it's not yeah. about setting a program, you know, of our choice and just asking the players to kind of conform and fit within that, if that makes sense. Um, it is about designing it around the individual himself. You know, so kind of just, you know, in all, in what's still, I guess, a relatively young career, You've still, you know, you've had you've had substantial experiences over the last few years, and it, it, since you've obviously, you know, started quite young. Now, yeah. I'm interested to know then, you know, what even at such a young age, what does keep you inspired and motivated to keep pushing on, and, and you know, where where does that where does that come from? I uh, you know it's going to sound really cliche, and I'm sure some people have said this on here, but the fact that you've ne you never get it right 100 of the time, so uh, you're constantly chasing that improvement or wanting to better yourself as a coach or you might, I don't know, for me, it's watching my goalkeeper at the weekend and going, right, we've done all that work throughout the week. What have they got right? Brilliant. Oh, okay, they've got that wrong. And then that bit they might have got wrong or a bit not 100% right. That's sort of my focus of, right, we've got to nail that. And I don't know, it's just sort of the best thing about being a coach, and I'm sure everyone will say it, is if you have a kid from eight or nine and then you see where they end up at 13, 14, even though it's five, six years, that development, you step back and you go, yeah, it was nice to be a part of that. So that constant improving someone, not just as a goalkeeper, as a person and wanting to learn more and more, because I think the more open-minded you are as a coach, it's the better because some coaches, myself included, there's been times where I thought, oh, I know it all for this level of goalkeeper I'm working at. And then actually you're wrong. You don't know it all. There's just so much to take on. And then, yeah, there's so much that I love about coaching. It keeps me inspired. So, yeah, I'm sure same for you. You give up all them evenings and weekends, the social time, Saturday, Sunday mornings, but it's all worth it in the end. Mm, no, I'm certainly, I think I can relate to that 100%. You know, I think, you know, kind of just to kind of build on that, you know, obviously, in, you were having worked with, you know, various different goalkeepers and probably, you know, probably seen a load of different coaches and obviously being coached by many as well. You know, what, what would you say one of your biggest bugbears are when it comes to coaching? Oh, that's a different one. Biggest bugbears. Um, I think you you can sort of see a session when it's planned or not planned. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I think for me, I've been guilty of it. There's been times where I've gone, I'm going to do this today. And I, I know what the session is. And then I've gone and done it and it hasn't gone as well as I thought. And I've gone, right, I really need to step back. And I think I've tried to plan even more so now. So yeah, for me, the planning part of it, like I've tried to really sort of elevate that. I, I know we do all anyway, but there can be times where you go, right, we're working on this today. Yep, I know what I'm going to do. And then it doesn't maybe go as well as you wanted. So, yeah, the planning part for me. Mm. And you talked there about, you know, that planning part. And I think a lot of coaches, you know, certainly 
we've all, I think we've all been there at some point in our journeys where you know we probably haven't planned as well as you know as well as we should have or not even planned at all and just probably literally just said right you know I've seen that session take place on the weekend over there I've seen that session a couple yeah. weeks ago or wherever and I'm just going to nick that and do that instead um you know would you mind just going through you know on that note what you maybe follow as a planning process for yourself then when you're designing a session when you're putting sessions together yeah definitely I'll well, I think I've tried to make it now for ASME stuff like we've got a syllabus of what we need to cover and what we think a goalkeeper should have. Um, but then for myself, I look at one, how many goalies are in the session, first of all, the type of session we're doing. So is it a day before a game? Is it the start of the week? Where I know I can do some more power stuff, more really pushing the goalkeeper and then like the tactical elements as well. So if, let's say it's a uh, Friday before a game, we might be working on, I don't know, dealing with crosses, for example, and trying to really paint that specific scenario of what are you going to face tomorrow? doesn't need to be 100 mile an hour blowing at your backside. It, it could be literally just five or six sharp reps on this scenario is what you're probably going to face. So really catering it for the goalkeeper. and But then at the same time, trying to make sure you hit them objectives of right pre-match um, session. We need to make sure we, we cover that topic, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, just it, on that, then, you know, you talked about linking, I guess, essentially. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. the individual work into the unit and teamwork and you know yeah. for those coaches that maybe are you know still kind of uh, you know novices or not too familiar with the goalkeeping role and how that kind of works what does that look like in terms of you know involving the goalkeepers in in the, in the team sessions and I guess collaborating with players within the group because you know plenty of time I think especially when you look at grassroots environments more specifically yeah. a lot of coaches probably are challenged in some ways maybe not understanding how to quite integrate the goalkeeper into the into the group or vice versa bring the group into the goalkeeping sessions um would you mind just sharing a bit of information around that yeah definitely and i think like i know you'll you'll agree as well the uefa b license goalkeeping that, that was the best part about that for me was learning how to manage the goalkeeper within units and how to create sessions on that so in terms of that for grassroots things i think that's something i see a lot is that you're right the coach might not have a goalkeeping background or understand it as much so he just the goalkeeper just goes in goal or they might do a little bit of playing out from the back but for the outfield coach it's as important they develop the goalkeeper as it is the outfielders but it's the same for us we've got to make sure we're developing the goalkeeper but socially for him he's in with the group as well because you spend a lot of time as goalkeepers didn't you away from the group so it's making sure that socially they get that interaction but sometimes the role of a goalkeeper coach might be to take an outfield session and I think that's what 
the be- the best goalkeeper coaches and the ones who are confident enough to go, do you know what? I'm going to step into that world of, right, I'm going to take a plan out from the back session and we're going to work with the whole team. We're going to focus it on the goalkeeper, but also making everyone else feel involved. And that's something I've, tr- I've learned. And at the start, I was a bit reluctant to go, well, I've got to step in and, and do that like a few years back. But now sort of going right now, that's what the goalkeeper needs and that's what the back four needs. So having that adaptability to go from goalkeeper coach to maybe working with a unit or half a team, so important. And I think for any grassroots coaches, maybe listening to this or any academy coaches, myself included, having that adaptability and being able to do that is massive. No, I'd certainly echo that. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges I've certainly seen over my my years of coaching is that, especially in grassroots environments, and even 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 in some academies, still, you know, that I've been exposed to, and I've been, I've seen, there's still that segregation of the goalkeepers are over there, um, and the, in the outfield players are over here, and I think still some people, st- you know, trying to find it challenging to see how they can integrate not only the goalkeeping players but also goalkeeping coaches as well within the integrated integrated model um you know i certainly think for me and it'll be interesting to get your views on it in, in how it's just to emphasize how important it really is that the goalkeepers do get conscious work with the players um not not too much isolated work but actually gen, generally actually you know i've had situations where i've worked at clubs before and I might say to the you know the head coach or the lead coach you know I, I I need to work with the goalkeepers but I need players to work with them too yeah and rather than giving you the players they actually or giving you access to players that are actually be used on the match day they just basically hand you hand you you know the reserves are the ones that are not expected to play as an example and you know first of all what are your thoughts on that and secondly you know it, 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 would you mind speaking to maybe just how important it probably is to even actually more so have the work with the actual players they're going to work with on the match day because it's about, you know, for me, it's about building those relationships as well. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say about building relationships. I think you can do your hour work with the goalkeeper and they say, right, we need him at, I don't know, midday and you go, right, hour work into that. But that's good because you need that time with the goalkeeper. But at the same time, you need to know what you're throwing the goalkeepers into. So that, like I say, that planning process of, right, I know we're playing, for example, I don't know, let's say um, you're working elite level, you're working with Barcelona, you're playing against Barcelona at the weekend and you know you're going to get peppered with shots and you have less of the ball. Then that, as a goalkeeper coach or a goalkeeper, you know you need that relationship with the back four to block shots to get in the way of it. So yeah, that might be in training where you need players to come over, like you say, but the relevant players. So I need my back four because having mannequins doing a shooting drill for the goalkeeper it's good and it works on technique, but you need that real movement of players. So him organising the back four, where he wants them to be to block a shot or throwing bodies in the way, little situations like that, like the specific scenarios you're going to face, like you say. So I think the role of a goalkeeper coach and the role of that outfield coach communicating is massive because there might be one little session you do, even if it's 15, 20 minutes where you work on one scenario with the goalkeeper managing that relationship and organising people massive when it comes to match day because if you don't do it then they won't be as ready for that scenario it sounds really silly but it might be one shot where the goalkeeper isn't sure how to organize a player and they're not sure how to talk to him and it goes in and people don't see that they say oh, oh it's gone in but there's work you can do around that to help so like you say i think building relationships is massive just for you as a coach but 
the individual goalkeeper to have the confidence to do that as well. Definitely, kind of just to kind of build on that, then you know, from the goalkeeping coach's perspective, you know, how, what are some of the challenges that you find, and you know, how do you go about breaking those barriers down? Because there's a lot of coaches out there who probably, again, uh, whether it be lack of understanding or naivety, however you wish to view it, maybe still don't give enough credit or value to how much the goalkeeping coach um, can add to the team. Uh, yeah, I think so, and I definitely agree with what you say. It's a, it's an awkward one at times because the outfield coach might write, "This is our theme for the week." Um, and you don't want to step on their toes and look like you're taking the whole session. I've had that, and I'm sure loads of coaches have had that. But then it becomes down to the planning bit, like we say. So I might know we're playing, uh, I don't know, any team in the week, six weeks down the line. I know we've got that fixture, and I know what that game's going to look like. So six weeks prior or a month prior, you're going, right, What? how can I link in with the coach so that what I want to do, we can maybe plan that for four or five weeks so we know that block of work is going to be what I want it to look like but it is a difficult thing because like you say in academies there's more time and uh, communication for stuff like that or in the professional game whereas grassroots it's you might plan that and then half your team doesn't turn up for whatever reason so I think the planning part is massive and that ownership of the goalkeeper coach liaising with the outfield coach and I know it's cliche but that's what needs to be done I think even more mm. No, and you talked there about, but you know that relationship and you know man managing that relationship. But I think a key part for me is there's probably still a lot of coaches that are probably again, like I said, still don't maybe give enough credit or value to how much the goalkeeper coach can have an input. And, and yeah. you know, f- for me, you know, it'd be interesting to get your views in terms of how you go about building that relationship. You talked there about academies and having you know, you know, a, as the years have gone on, and you know, I think rightly so, the academies and just just a sport and elite sport in general. Um, have moved down this path of becoming more holistic. You know, yeah. the FA work with the four corner models within football that, you know, it's largely used. But still, there's still some resistance from a lot of outfield coaches working with goalkeeping coaches. And there's still, you know, to some extent, that a little bit of that divide and that segregation between the two. So, you know, yeah. even in academies where they're almost, yes, they're putting the player at the centre of the development and they're trying to make it as holistic as possible. There's still some of that resistance. So, you know, what would your advice be to maybe coaches who are kind of on either side of that equation, both as goalkeeping coaches, what would you advise them in terms of trying to develop and build that relationship and from the outside? Yeah, and I, I think having an under, it's a really good question to be fair. And I think the, the sooner we nail it as a whole, I think there'll be a, a massive difference. I don't get me wrong. I think there's examples of where it's really progressed. And I think there's a lot of outfield coaches now who, like you say, have, more of an understanding of the work the goalkeeper coach does and how important it is. But on the flip side, for me, I always think, right, I'm lucky here because I've got four goalies, that's one position, but he's got 20 players over there in nine different positions. So I think as a goalkeeper coach, first of all, you've got to understand not the pressure, but the amount of work the outfield coach has got and what he's trying to cover. And then you're coming in saying, right, we need to work on this. So the planning part of it, building that relationship is the first thing I'd suggest like communicating, understanding more about the work he does as well. So, for example, if you're doing a playing out session in three weeks' time, speaking to him prior to that about, all right, what what do you want to look at for your session? How can I help you? So it it's an, an awkward one because it might be a bit of nervousness for some people who, and I've had it as well, and I still have it now when I go up to someone and go, I need to work on this, but I know that's your theme. How do I approach that? 
So yeah, building that relationship is massive and sort of coming out your comfort zone. Even if you get it wrong, at least you're showing that you're trying to understand the work they're doing. And long-term, it's going to be a benefit because you're going to build the relationships. They're going to trust you more. And yeah, you'll probably end up taking more more sessions because of that. Mm. And you talked there about you know, that, that point you made about, you know, you're as goalkeeper, you're probably going to have maybe three, four goalkeepers that you work with. And obviously, you know, the other coaches have maybe got a couple yeah. of times there. And I, I think that, you know, there's, there's almost an, an opportunity there in itself that actually there's probably an opportunity for the goalkeeping coach, or even the coach to say, do you know what, actually go and work with these ones because, we, we, you know, I can be, you know, as an outfield coach, I can be maybe more tailored and specific around the work I'm doing with the rest of the group. And if I've handed maybe the back four to you or the back five, however you wish to view it, you know, if I've, if I've had a, handed those defenders over to you and you can maybe just get, include some of that, more tactical and you know that that the relationship building work around that piece but I think even within that when you've now got those players involved how much of your work is then tactical and how much of it is you know is I guess technical from a goalkeeping standpoint um I like to think when you go into that environment of the goalkeeper and the outfielders it's more tactical because I think that 45 hour half hour whatever you get beforehand is your technical work and then so, for example, if we was doing a shot on a uh, session on defending the penalty area, my 45 minutes before that might be dealing with shots through bodies using mannequins, for example. And then we're going into the session with the, the back four or whatever it is and the two midfielders in front. And then, you know, right, that was the technical part of what it looked like, the shots coming through the mannequins and you having to react as the goalkeeper. Now the tactical part of you organising your back four and making sure that you're screening, blocking, that's the the part of the work where I wouldn't be too worried about the technical actions of the goalkeeper within that. Be more focused on how are they communicating, what they're organising, do they understand where, how deep they are, how high up they are, for example, them sort of things. And and then within that, it's trying to make it competitive because you don't want to feel like the outfield players who've come over, oh, the manager's sacked us off, we're going with the goalie coach just because he needs bodies. You then need to flip it and go, right, let's make this, I don't know, competitive strikers v us lot as a team how many can they score how many can we block so there's always ways around the scenario and that's something I'm still trying to develop and make sure that you're building the relationships as a goalkeeper coach with the outfield players as well Mm. because you're going to need them at times and there might be times where they're a little bit deflated because they're not in the outfield session they're with you and you've got to try and flip that perspective that the work you're doing with the goalkeeper and them is as important as of what the outfield coach is doing. So just on that note then, you know, in situations where you maybe had to bring those players across, are you also maybe you know, taking into consideration what their own individual needs are? and they're developing- Yeah, 100%. 100%, I think, like for situations where we might get the pullbacks at, um, for crossing or something like that, that making sure, right, what types of crosses do they need? And what, like they might have six crosses and these flat three of them or these overhit four of them. How can we help him deliver that? And how... I always try and flip it into the perspective of if I was the outfielder, what would I want to know and get the advantage of the goalkeeper of, if that makes sense. Hmm. So if I'm the fullback crossing and I see the goalkeeper's too high, right, we need to educate the fullback on can you get it further across so it takes the goalkeeper out of the game. So then you're trying to sort of bounce the ideas off each other. So Hmm. goalkeeper and the fullback a second, guessing each other for crossing. And I think that's important. So, yeah, so obviously you're the goalkeeper coach, but there's a lot of understanding from the goalkeeping position that you can help people with. 
Yeah. Even strikers do it with them and go, do you actually look at the goalkeeper and what he does before you shoot? And, and obviously Harry Kane's a great example. Most of the time he doesn't even look at the goal because he knows where it is. And I think like just the way he finishes, there's certain elements that you can learn off that. And I'm sure goalkeepers are trying to study him. So that, that's more of a perspective of the goalkeeper understanding what he's up against. And then the, the flip side of that as well, the outfielder. No, I totally, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you, you, you look at it from that perspective, one of the things that, you know, so over the last couple of years, you know, I've been heavily involved in coach education myself. Yeah. And I, one of the key messages I always try and get across to coaches and, uh, you know, people on the courses is that when you're planning your session, for me anyway, um, if I'm planning a, I guess, I don't know, a def- a, a, an in-possession session as an example, I need to make sure first and foremost that the out-of-possession players are working in effectively yeah. because if they're not working effectively if they're not doing everything they can or if I haven't put them in, in if I haven't I guess supported them or directed them in, in performing in a certain way that's going to have a direct impact on the realism of what I'm trying to get across with my players that I'm actually targeting so as an example if we are looking at your situation we talked about the fullbacks and the goalkeepers well actually I don't want a goalkeeper just collecting crosses I want him to collect crosses that are actually going to be realistically put in there to kind of be kept away from him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but also in line with what's real, real to the game. So as an example, if you know, if there's a, if my goalkeeper's on the edge of the six yard box, as an example, I'm not expecting him to catch across on the edge of the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's unrealistic, but then you know, but I'm also challenging the player putting the cross in. Can you put it in a zone or an area that we'd expect a player to be in? If if the player's not in the practice for whatever reason, but that's not going to be collected by the goalkeeper if that makes sense and, and have that and you know almost yeah. redirect and kind of reinforce that message again and again and again so it kind of challenges the goalkeeper around not just like the technical technical element of actually being able to handle the ball and, and deal with the cross as and when it comes in but also understanding the tactical side of things and understanding right actually yes there might not be an opposition in this practice but would I really come for that cross yeah just for the sake of it, if that makes sense to kind of kind of just kind of build on that then you know we talk about some of the challenges in terms of trying to build relationships and obviously uh, establish a stronger foothold in the development overall as goalkeeping coaches and obviously trying to you know present in some ways the value that you can add to the team in that respect. What you know, I'm just interested to know about your own coaching journey. I know what are some of the biggest challenges that you've kind of faced over the years, and it might be something that you're still dealing with. If if yeah. so, then you know what 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 are your plans to kind of overcome and deal with that. But also, also, if it's something that you have you have been able to deal with, how did you get how do you get around it? Yeah, do you know what I think? The thing I'm always dealing with in the back of my head and in my head, um, even now, today, tomorrow, whenever, is working with people more experienced and people with playing backgrounds. Because I've had a playing background, but it's been grassroots. It's not been Premier League, Champions League, or professional career for 20 years. So I'm always dealing with right. I didn't have that career as a player, so I need to make sure I'm doing everything to be the best coach I can and to build that relationship and just putting yourself out there. As horrible as it is going out of your comfort zone, I know everyone says it and people go, well, everyone says that, but to, to put yourself out there that first time and go, do you know what, coach, manager, can I lead a session working on playing out from the back and you can tear it to shreds if you want after and whatnot, but that first step of being able to do that you might miss things and you might not have as much of an understanding as the outfield coach at times, but the fact you're willingness to put yourself out there 
that's probably the first thing I have I had to do, um, and I'm sure you've had to do it as well. It's that horrible. Oh, I've got to do it, but to be a better coach further down the line, I'm going to have to do that now. So, so the first thing would be putting yourself out of the comfort zone. And in terms of my own experiences of that, yeah, like I say about dealing with people more experienced and people who've been in that environment for years and first coming into it, trying to showcase what you can do, but in a respective way, if that makes sense. Mm. I think, you know, it's, it's certainly you talk, you know, especially, you know, working at a club like Chelsea, you know, in the academy, you probably have got a lot of ex-pros or people with substantial playing experience in some capacity, um, if not substantial coaching experience, you know, I think, but I think, you know, the thing that you kind of want to take away is that, you know, you are in that environment too. So obviously you've got something to offer too. And I think it's just finding, it's finding where you can plug those holes essentially. So I think, you know, um, no, thank you for sharing. And then I'll kind of just kind of, as we start to wind down now, then if we now take you back to the start of your coaching journey back at 16, you know, initially as a player, still being coached and, you know, in those sorts of environments, I'm interested to know now then with some of the experiences that you've been able to accumulate over the years and now, you know, where you are currently and knowing what you know now, if you could go back and maybe speak to yourself when you first got into coaching, what are some of the messages that you'd want to give yourself around, you know, what to expect and maybe how to, how to, what kind of mindset to adopt maybe? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing would be, um, it's a long road and it's a, it's an, it's an uncomfortable road at times. And you've got a lot of accountability as a coach for a child's development, whether it's grassroots academy or trying to like work the way into the, the professional game. I think you've got a lot of accountability and preparing yourself. Right. I think as a player, you obviously any age you prepare, you warm up, you do your training, but as a coach, there's so much more to it, isn't there? There's the planning, there's the individual match day, there's your own development as a coach, your personality. So I think what I'd say to myself would be, is be adaptable and open-minded to, you've got a lot of learning to do and you don't know nothing. Like When you're 16, you think you might know a bit about football, but in the development of, as a coach, you don't know half as much as some other people. So it's being able to sort of step into that firing line and, take criticism and take um, not the blame is the wrong word, but being able to take advice because I think as a coach, we're all, everyone will critique everyone and that's part of your development. But in the long run, yeah, as a 16 year old, I'd say, yeah, be adaptable. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for that. And obviously now Jack, you know, you currently working at Chelsea in the Academy, you know, working with 11, 12, but you know, recently done your UFB goalkeeping coaching qualification where, where, where do we go next from here that's a good question I, I thoroughly obviously loved working at Chelsea I'm very fortunate to work there it's an environment with it's an amazing environment and obviously with Asmir stuff I'm very fortunate to work there as well I think for me it's it is more learning like you say just passing um, UFB goalkeeping in, in the summer I've got a lot to do before I even think about the outfield or goalkeeping A licence. So just more of that experience, more maybe dealing with older players. Um, and yeah, just putting myself out there really to to help out with older age groups when I can. And for Azmir's work, maybe try and expand into new opportunities where it's sort of, like I say, out of my comfort zone a bit. And yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, and you know, again still relatively young in the coaching space but you know with a few years experience under your belt albeit what what would you you know what would your messages be now if, you know, if I gave you 60 seconds to kind of leave listeners with some golden nuggets 
from your from your own journey or your perspective in your, you know the lessons that you've learned throughout your journey what would that be uh, i think knowledge is obviously so powerful um sounds like i'm doing a seminar or something there but the, the more you can understand and the more you can learn the better coach you're going to be so even for me now i'm, I'm trying to learn different language spanish um just think because you never know like what might happen in terms of where you go with your coaching career but being yeah, open-minded would be the biggest thing i'd say so um take other people's opinion on board because it's going to make you a better coach and a better person and what else would i suggest um obviously a philosophy is important i think that's something so understand what you want to coach and how your style of coaching is and what's your end goal in terms of that philosophy so is it more tactical more technical uh, technical physical whatever it is it's making sure that it develops along the way because your philosophy when you start out coaching five six years down the line might look completely different Hmm. you know and just you know i guess i think you talked there about you know learning that learning a new language and i think that's a massive thing as well because i could, you know especially if you've got ambitions of working in the pro game or the elite game in some ways um you know i think back to an experience i had a few years ago and i was working with a group of players and i had a probably in a squad of maybe 22 players around probably had about I think about 13 nationalities yeah. um you know probably about yeah within the 13 different nationalities you know players from all over the world you know you name it east east africa north africa you know the south south, south of europe and you know even asia and you know, i think about even a couple of south americans but you know they all speak in different languages and it, it really for me at that time showed to me right actually because you know I, I was learning a bit of spanish myself in it and yeah. having a few people from those Spanish-speaking countries and players from other countries, you know, really, really understood the importance of being able to maybe communicate in different ways. And, you know, especially when it comes to working with elite players, you're looking at, right, how do I get these messages across in a way that they understand it? You know, so I actually found myself maybe yeah. you know, going to, a, I guess, a friend of mine who could speak the languages quite well. Um, and I guess sitting down with them and breaking down the terms that I would generally tend to use and what I define with those terms and kind of give me some direct translations for it so I can be kind of punchy with the, you know, with the, with the information I'm giving across to some of these players. What I found was, you know, I had a couple French speaking lads in that group as well. You know, my, my French is non-existent almost. <laughs> um, but I had, you know, three groups, three, three French lads or from different countries, but one could maybe speak a little bit of English, very basic. Another one could, he wasn't fluent, but you could hold a conversation. And there was one that had no idea about English at all. Yeah. And so then I found myself relying on the other two, more specifically one of them to kind of communicate that information. But there was one day where it just kind of hit me and I think, oh my gosh, what we're going to do if this, if this guy's not here to help me, what am I going to do about this? Uh, my students were to yeah. help and give that information across. So, you know, it really, it really showed me the importance of being able to kind of understand uh, the language and, at least be able to communicate in a basic level um so i can get my information across um so kind of you know just just to really highlight obviously the, the you know the the importance of being able to understand different ways of communicating with players and whether that be you know verbally through language or whether that be you know finding more i guess non-verbal methods to kind of communicate that information is very key so you know in a roundabout way you know you've talked a little bit about what what kind of your journey where you want your journey to go next and some of the things that you kind of want to achieve in your journey. Yeah. 
you know, I'm just now conscious now as we start to really wind down here and what's the impact that you want to kind of have on the, on the people that you come in contact with. So, you know, just by being here in this conversation with me now, you know, you've made yourself part of the coaches network. And yeah. what, what is, what is the message that you kind of want to leave with the rest of the rest of the community? Oh, that's a good question. And I think since lockdown, it's definitely like you say, you, you've had a lot more time at home and a lot more time to think about how you want to improve yourself, whether it's through languages, through learning, doing podcasts like this, uh, meeting new people on the coaches network, whatever it is, Zoom. I think the, the impact I'd like to leave is someone who's always got time for other people. And I've, I've always stood by that because whether it's your coaching, um, you want to develop players, like all the players you work with, you want to see them in the Premier League or professional footballers, but numbers-wise, that's not always going to happen. So you want to make sure that you leave a good relationship with the, the, the kids you're working with when they're older, that they'll remember that and hopefully it helps them in a positive light. But I think for myself, that would be the key message is sort of being someone that's open to talking to anyone really and develop, uh, having a relationship with anyone who, who wants to know about football and develop. Mm. And, you know, on that note, you know, if there was any listeners or viewers that, you know, wanted to get in touch with you to maybe kind of yeah. learn a bit more about your journey and to discuss some of the things that we've touched on in this conversation, or maybe even beyond that, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Literally yesterday, I was sitting here, I had a spare hour or two, and I was thinking, I've got this time on a Friday, what can I do? So I just literally made up a little PowerPoint slide of uh, let's talk goalkeeping, and I put every Friday, 4.30 to 5.30 on Zoom. And I just put it on LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, and had a few people come back. And it's literally just going to be a goalkeeping discussion. So if anyone wants to jump on that, um, it'll be on LinkedIn and just little bits like that. I think trying to create that environment where, like, I might not get to be able to talk to professional goalkeeper coaches in different countries. So that's the only way, probably via Zoom at the moment and stuff like that. So just trying to network, really. But um, for anyone who wants to get in contact, um, my Instagram is Jack Hadley GK, all lowercase. That's literally it. Um, if anyone's got any questions, and then yeah, obviously it'd be part of the coaches network now. So I'm more than happy to. Um, share posts and stuff on there and yeah anyone wants to message well there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you let us know what you thought about today's episode and until next time guys Take care. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.